Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls. I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's happening, all my woods people? Today, I am flying solo through and through. Uh, This is just a podcast with one of my buddies, Slade Daniel, who I met through uh, local Ducks Unlimited chapter uh, several years ago. We figured out that we lived like a mile from each other. And uh, he liked to duck hunt, obviously, and so uh, we went on a few hunts together, and I got to know Slade really well over the last few years, living close to him, and and uh, having kids of similar age, and um, it's he's just become a really good friend of mine. Slade's a pretty interesting dude, as you're about to hear. We talk about things, um, mostly duck hunting, so if you're a deer hunter and you don't really care about the waterfowl type of thing, I think there's still something to be learned here because we talk about gaining permission to property, and that's a big chunk of what we actually discuss in this interview. And so I think that uh, Slade's take on all this, uh, there's there are things that can be learned uh, from that perspective that's different than what... Uh, you have maybe gotten through other podcasts of guys that hunt big game, which Slade does not. So uh, I think you can still find something helpful in this. Anyway, we talk about that. We talk about uh, beekeeping, which is a really interesting thing. Uh, Slade does a little bit of that. We talk about uh, hunting, conservation, um, ducks, just a couple of different questions. So that's kind of the, the outline of what we're going to discuss today. Um, and then... Um, here before we get into this interview i wanted to go ahead and let you guys know that frankenstein the buck that i shot in december in kansas um that film um of that actual encounter is going live today on youtube so one thing i would say is i would appreciate if you guys would all go watch that video uh it's a it's a lengthy one uh i think it's over 20 minutes so you know Maybe that's a, a thing you do tonight or um, at some point when you get, you know, quite a bit of spare time, maybe over lunch or something. But uh, I, it turned out better than I thought it would uh, because it was all solo, self-filmed, and I didn't actually get the kill shot on film, but I got a video of me shooting the kill shot. So, um, but anyway, the whole thing turned out, I'm actually really proud of it. it. It turned out a lot better than I thought it would. It's a lot less raw and rough than I, I had thought it would be originally. 
Um, and it, this deer is just maybe the oldest buck that I've, or the oldest deer period that I've ever seen maybe in the wild, uh, extremely old deer. I don't technically know how old he is, but I do know he was old on the decline. He was, uh, kind of sunk in, in the kind of gut area and looked like just real big chested and was starting to like lose muscle mass in 2015 when I was in the stand with a buddy filming as he shot Frankenstein high in the shoulder and Frankenstein or Frank, um, took off and, uh, had a lot of arrows still sticking out of him. And uh, a few, few days later, he was on one of our trail cameras and looked to be getting around just fine. And apparently has because, uh, I saw him in 16 as well. And he looked even worse. 17 season was over pretty quick. And in 18, um, I was lucky enough to encounter him a couple times in the, in the second time, uh, get a shot at him. So I really would appreciate you guys going and watching that. And even further, if you guys are willing to, uh, copy the URL and paste it on your Facebook, you know, and just post the, post the, the, uh, video on your Facebook or share it from our Facebook page. Um, that would be greatly appreciated. I'm hoping that, uh, I don't know, there's it, the, the video has got, um, a little bit of blood and gore in it. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit raw. It's kind of, uh, you know, I mean, it's not something you wouldn't see on like Nat Geo with a bunch of lions eating some kind of zebra and crawling up inside the carcass and that kind of thing. You know I mean? It's still, um, I tried to make it tasteful and I'm hoping that I know there's going to be some haters out there probably that, uh, you know, they'll find something. I didn't do everything right. I took a long shot for me. Uh, I didn't make a great shot, but it wasn't as bad as I thought, um, originally. And so anyway, it, you know, it's just one of those films that is probably going to have some haters on it, but I would love if you guys would just support it and see, um, the genuine side of it and what I was trying to portray and, you know, me trying to show that, Hey, hunting is not, uh, always something that's just super, got a bunch of glory around it and, and, uh, it's clean and, and everything happens like, you know, you see it on TV. Sometimes things go awry and, 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 uh, you know, that's just the way it is. It's not something that I love. I was pretty upset about it, in fact, but, um, I'm just glad that it's over with. I learned a lesson. I learned several lessons and, um, hopefully I'll be able to take those into the future with me and, uh, continue to just to make better and better decisions as I go throughout this hunting thing. And hopefully you guys can learn from that as well. So, like I said, go check it out. Um, I'll remind you at the end of this podcast in case you want to wait till this is over. But uh, anyway, it's a great podcast, so let's get to the interview with Slade. All right, what's happening, everybody? Today, I'm sitting in Sulphur Springs, Texas, and it is warm. It's about 75 degrees or so. It doesn't really feel like early February, um, but we've got a guest here that is a good buddy of mine, and uh, he's a duck hunter. He doesn't really hunt deer and big game too much, but... Uh, but I will say that some of the advice as far as like permissions go that we're going to get here in a little while, I feel like is worth sticking around for if you're a deer hunter, um, just advice on getting permission to hunt properties. So we're going to talk about that in a little while. But first, Slade Daniel, what's been happening, dude? What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm pretty good. Man. Just uh, shaky. Like I took, uh, I've been having allergy problems like we were talking about earlier. I don't know what it is. I heard it was mountain cedar. That came down with that last front. I need to get you but, some of my honey, brother. Dude, I was think I actually took some uh, a swig of some honey today, but it's from Brookshire's, which who knows where that comes from, you know. But like, yeah, this this honey crop ended up being a pretty good year for us. So, uh, but yeah, man, seventy five degrees. It's this type of weather is gonna. 
come in really hard. I'm ready for fishing. Oh yeah, man, me too. When's the uh, when's the last time you did the you reaped the honey harvest? So I robbed for everybody. Robbed. That, uh, yeah, yeah, I robbed it, yeah. dude. Uh, yeah, so I robbed from the bee. <laughs> so I've been beekeeping for about four or five years. So I robbed Fourth of July every year. So it allows them to go back to the plants get the the pollen get the nectar have enough honey for the winter because that's what they live off of so for everybody that doesn't know yes i'm a uh, amateur beekeeper and uh, i just like to give honey out to my friends and i'm glad that you brought it up dude because i just had forgotten uh to even mention that in this thing like we need to i want to kind of dive into that now that you mentioned it but like so uh like a a guy that uh, does it maybe to make a little bit of money at, say, his like local stand or whatever, is he doing that more than once a year? And yeah, is that sustainable? Potentially. Uh, just depends on if it's a if it rains about every three or four days. Um, it depends on kind of the the amount of plants in that area and then how many hives he or she has. So I have just three or four hives. I typically get about 25 to 45 pounds of honey. Uh, each season and that ends up going really quick because I just really like to bless people with that honey it's just a fun little hobby that I like to do and uh, so I don't sell it or anything like that but it goes immediately I post a picture on Facebook and it's gone but yeah if somebody was going to sell it make it a hobby they would have to have 10 20 potentially even 30 40 hives just because this year of my four hives actually lost one of my hives to wax moths which um really they came in destroyed my whole hive and i'm talking they ate every single bit of honey and just destroyed they just eat the honey they just ate the honey they don't and, and ate they the eat wax the and, and ate the wax wax yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so they is that like the only thing that those moths eat man i guess so it's just uh like when you're cleaning hives, you got to get rid of all the wax around the hive uh, because those wax moths will show up, and then they will they'll just infiltrate a hive, and it's it's pretty. De- I didn't realize how devastating it was. I opened up my hive, and there was just honey everywhere, and unfortunately, I couldn't get any of it. So, do those uh, do those bees die? Or do yeah, they, they die. They, yeah, they ended up dying, and so they don't like att- they can't attack the moths or anything. Uh, they don't. Yeah, they don't. There's just so many of them, and then they just kind of multiply from there. really yeah so we have uh, and i don't treat any of my honey either so it's just all organic one because it's mainly because it takes a lot of work to do all that <laughs> yeah. to treat them and do that but uh essentially the, the the pests that you're trying to prevent are like fire ants um, mites and then wax moss because mm-hmm. those are the three things that will devastate a hive and you never had fire ant problems or anything yeah i've had fire ant problems then i just try to uh, treat it naturally and hopefully they go away and it's it's worked pretty well. So like soap water or something, or how does that? Uh, yeah, soap water, and then just they have like different um, things that you can buy, like uh, even Lowe's or co-ops that aren't harmful to to bees and things like that. That's cool, man. Yeah. Man, I, I would love to do it. I just need. I kind of need a little more property, I feel like. Well, everybody has a romantic viewpoint or a view of being a beekeeper, and mm-hmm. you saw me uh, you know, get all that honey. I guess that was a couple of years ago. You saw me harvest that honey, and it's a lot of work. And it was, what, 100 degrees that day yeah. when we got that? And thankfully, we, we did all the work inside after we got it. But, yeah, when I take people out to the, to the bee yard, they uh, – Sometimes they think that it's just real easy and mm-hmm. bees kind of do their own, but there's a lot of work and, and effort involved. Yeah, I, man, I had, I did, I wanted to do a video. And remember, we, t- we did it, we took a bunch of video of that. Yeah, I know. I've, and then, I haven't seen it. So. Well, here's the, here's the deal. <laughs> remember that day you came over and Jet got crazy and then 
flew over onto the couch on my hard drive. Oh, that's right. That was the one that had that footage on it. Yeah, that also had pretty duck. good duck hunt on that. <laughs> Some duck, pretty good duck hunts. Yeah, so oh, that's about three, I wanted three to. hunts right there I think we had on that hard drive. Yeah, yeah. But, hey, I think we redeemed ourselves this year with this oh yeah with this hunt that yeah we dude had, so. we definitely did we had yeah we did for sure <laughs> we just watched it to get hot before we got on the on the podcast oh, yeah. um so you know speaking of that this is i feel like um like culturally we're kind of coming off one of the worst duck seasons in the south in a long time and um I don't know, like, was did you feel that way personally, or, or how'd your season go, I guess? Man, you know what? It was an interesting season. Um, I just got word that the coast had about a half a million more birds than East Texas did. A buddy of mine was at a DU, Ducks Unlimited, leadership conference last week, and they had a uh, biologist come down and, and share that statistic. So we had about a half a million less birds in this area. They were all on the coast, because I'm assuming they're doing more farming and rice down there, so mm-hmm. that's why they went that way. But man, we had just so much water. It yeah. was I had I had more holes, more access than I've ever had in any of my seasons. And on those holes, it had the food sources that would keep ducks on it all year long. Duckweed, hydrilla. And this year, I had to search for ducks. I had holes that had 7, 10, 15 but I never saw the 50, the 100, mm-hmm. the 150. Uh, and my holes that typically produce had nothing on it and holes that I literally have shot two or three ducks on before were the ones that produced for me this year. So like the lagoon. Yeah. <laughs> what happened there, dude? So the lagoon, so this is a pond that my father-in-law dug out probably 30, 35 years ago. It swapped hands a few times. And uh, this year, and, and by the way, this thing is probably about 25 foot deep. And, man, we shoot birds on it every year. I didn't know it was that deep. It is straight down. Really? So it, it, the first, you know, 10, 15 feet, you can walk out, but then it drops. Mm-hmm. But, man, we shot birds. I've literally shot eight-man limits. And, by the way, these are every duck you can think of. I've shot mm-hmm. mallards, gadwall, teal. It holds a ton of teal, but it's a diver hole. I'm talking camas backs, blackjacks, bluebills shovelers they're mm-hmm. on it so mm-hmm. it's just a fun hunt uh that you take your buddies to that they don't get to duck hunt a ton and uh so this year man we went out there twice and we shot probably six birds each hunt and it was miserable yeah and that's like for people who do, don't duck hunt like you don't really want to go out there and shoot six birds because you got it's a lot of work to get up early like you kind of want to you kind of want to pre-scout something and be like oh there was 85 or 100 there on that that pool you know and like we're gonna have probably a decent hunt in the morning even if it's all real quick you know oh exactly and and this is um this is the pond that i like to take a lot of buddies to like i said because i like to have a lot of people in duck blind like to have a good time cracking Mm -hmm. up Mm -hmm. and so this year unfortunately i just couldn't invite as many people as i'd like to get them on hunts or actually have them or pay them back for them taking me on a hunt and so yeah, this year I was I was pretty disappointed in, in what the lagoon produced and um, drove by it actually last week. There was probably about 75, 80 on that it. Was, uh, that was during the cold, yeah. cold our coldest part of our, yeah. the whole year pretty much, right? Yeah, I was yeah. Uh, I was pretty uh, disappointed in, uh, in seeing that, but it's okay. Hopefully they'll come back uh, and come back next year. But yeah, we thankfully, once the this property changed hands, we were able to to get access to this and, and kept it. We've been hunting it now for about 10 years. And 
like I said, we probably get about eight to ten hunts off of it, and, mm-hmm. and this year we just we just got two. Yeah, one of those or one or two of those hunts we had last year were actually on like a pool that's next to it that's smaller, but like you kind of, I kind of feel like when you have a, a several tanks in an area, oh yeah, like it really is just a big draw to ducks because they can hop around which wherever the food source might be from day to day. They don't have to fly a long distance, you know. I don't know if that's the reason or not. Yeah, but. you know what? It, I think it comes down to the flyaway and then obviously food source, and then that front pond is just full of hydrilla. And some years they find it, some mm-hmm. years they don't. Three years before us having great hunts on it last year, we didn't shoot a bird off that pond. This year. I probably saw eight total birds on it. So, uh, yeah, the last year was just an unbelievable year. We probably shot 100, 150 gadwalls off that thing. Mm. It was wild. Yeah. It was fun, dude. It was yeah. fun. So, you know, speaking of gadwalls, I know, right? we had uh, a couple of good gadwall hunts. Or I, I really, you and I only hunted once together, I guess, this year. Yeah, we hunted once, and you snubbed me the last weekend and <laughs> there, went and chased a, squirrels instead of mallards. I did, and, uh, and I was really upset because I was out there hunting squirrels, and at the time, I don't think we had shot one. And you sent me a picture of just green ducks of all sorts. They showed up the last weekend, man. <laughs> I was glad. I was, I was glad. And I had to somehow, uh, probably because in that shop that I live in, I have no service. Oh, that's right. Um, that's I have right. to go to the bathroom window to get service there. So if I, like, there's a good chance that it just went straight to voicemail. And no, it did. I felt like you hung up on me. Or oh, really? Declined my call. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's probably what happened then. I don't try to hang, you know, hang up on you too much, but, yeah, other, but other people, it may be different. Yeah, but man, we smoked, we smoked the gadwalls this year. Thankfully, they were here and mm. we had the ponds that had duckweed and, man, they, they hit it pretty and hard. So, like one of your one of, one of the hunt we went on was actually with a buddy um, of yours, Jonathan McGraw. Oh yeah, who uh, has a really interesting story that we're gonna we're gonna reveal that on a film pretty soon. Uh, not exactly sure in relation to this podcast when that film will come out, but we're trying to shoot for sometime in the month of February. And man, great story. Uh, quick brief rundown without giving too many details of his story. Yeah, so just high level, Jonathan's house burned down from pretty much every room but i think like one mm-hmm. and he had and it started in his garage aka man cave which mm-hmm. housed all his his stuff and uh so just a a group uh guys uh, and myself we got together and decided to to bless him with something he probably wouldn't buy uh during that that struggle and we we bought him all his duck hunting gear that he needed yeah and uh just, he would have missed out on duck season otherwise probably. yeah he would have missed out and you know every little dollar was probably going to go to the house mm. uh, or to his family or to his kids and so we just uh got him something that we thought could kind of be therapeutic uh, mm. for him and and thankfully it was, and we got to have a few good duck hunts uh, mm. to finish out the season. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Jonathan told the story on the on the video, so you guys hopefully be looking forward to that. Um, what I like about that is it's similar to um, like say you've got uh, we used to travel a bunch, you know, as you know, mm-hmm. um, I do in the band and in other things, and um, you go through these towns, you stop at a gas station in Waco, Texas, or whatever, and which is a, pretty crime laden town you know and people are people are in bad shape and they come up and asking you for money and stuff and it's like to me it's similar to to that situation in a way where like i would i would be willing to go inside and buy the dude a sausage egg cheese biscuit but i'm not going to give you any money you know what yeah, i mean 100%. And, so, and and not that, not that he's some guy who's gonna go spend it on drugs or whatever but like he's uh 
like you said, if you were just to give him money, it would end up going to his kids, which is fine. But like, I mean, in that type of situation, like you said, like hunting is therapy, you know, for somebody who loves it that much, you know? And so like giving them that opportunity to go hunt and say, look, I'm, I'm just going to give you something so that you have no choice. You know, that's pretty cool, man. Well, and, and not to kind of share his blessings, but also another person of his church, uh, cause he leads, uh, he's a youth local youth pastor at a church and, but also leads worship, uh, at church. And I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody actually, um, kind of blessed him as well by saying, Hey, get a new guitar and a new amp. And he got a sweet guitar, yeah. and a sweet amp. I knew he yeah. was on the team. I didn't know he was the lead at worship leader. Well, I don't. Yeah, he used to be lead. I think he just yeah, okay. he actually recently okay. just switched that over. That's yeah. cool, man. That's cool. So, um, yeah, we had we had a great hunt that morning. Uh, you ended up having another really good hunt with him, and then the end of the season, you didn't call me, and you had a really good hunt, <laughs> and. Um, and then there, but the season closed up recently and you didn't go on like an out of state hunt or anything, man. No, not this year. Uh, we added baby boy number three yep. to the mix. So, uh, yeah, that just, uh, which is good. So yeah. thankfully got to hunt locally and be home uh, at decent times. And man, at the end of the day, I'm a weekend warrior. So mm-hmm. going out of state, it's, uh, we typically, we'll try to go to Arkansas each year and we'll go for about three to five days, just kind of depending on work schedules with buddies but yeah this year um new baby to the mix and needed to stay home and focus on priorities and mm. and make sure that that everybody's taken care of there yeah it's good man so is that uh do you feel like that because i feel like when when it when something like that stops happening it's so easy just to be like next year the same things ah oh, you know i just got too much going on yeah. like is that is this the end of it or no uh, i mean i hope not honestly yeah. i i like arkansas each year they actually struggled this year they you know they still had some pretty solid hunts but they had a lot of water too. they had a lot of water the reports were pretty pretty rough up there just some buddies that we have in the area kind of the pocahontas northeast area up there and they hunted a lot of wmas and they had some solid hunts. I think he just posted a picture of like a 15-man limit of greenheads. Mm. But I think that's like one of the most solid hunts they had all year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used to do it. They typically do it, you know, once a week, something like that. Pretty, right. pretty solid. But, man, honestly, I'd, I'd like to uh, take advantage of Texas and go out west, go down to the coast. And those are kind of on my upcoming bucket list. And so hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be able to go do that this upcoming year. So, like – Rolling Plains West, like Panhandle? Yeah, like stuff? getting after cacklers and uh, geese out okay. there. Just cause, and, and then more field hunting because we just mm-hmm. we have too much dairy land around here and we mm. don't have the crops that um, ducks are going to want to decoy over any crop or anything like that. So it's all just ponds or lakes that we hunt. Mm-hmm. And then uh, down south, just getting on the coast, yeah. hunting redheads and pintails. I would love to do that. I've never, never done a coastal hunt. I've been... I've been out there to that like rolling plains stuff out west, and we've shot some cranes. And oh yeah, cranes are on the list yeah. too. I've never, I've just seen videos and heard <laughs> them. They look awesome. Dude, it was, I mean, I've never like, I don't guess I've really ever been on like a strict crane hunt, you know. But like we've had some bonuses come in while we were hunting cacklers and that kind of thing in snow. Man, they look like prehistoric. They look dude, awesome. Like if it fell on you, you'd be in trouble. You'd oh, be yeah. hurt, dude. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're four foot tall. I mean, they're just giant, dude. It's like a person coming out of the sky. Now, were they know? hard to shoot? Were they, or was it pretty Actually, easy? Was it like a layup? Uh, no, they they were pretty easy. So range is kind of the key factor there, uh, obviously. <coughs> but like the, um, the, whatever it is, like foot to 18 inches of difference between their head and their body, oh, you wow. know, because of the neck, like that's a, you have to, 
if you're, I mean, you, to me, I'm trying to head shoot them. So yeah. you have to put it out in front of what. I only, only you shoot would, um, birds in the, in the head. In the head. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I noticed that yeah. that one day that we were, we <laughs> were right. <laughs> you were shooting good that one day, dude. I will say last year there was a couple times, though, that uh, I was like, mm, boys. Hey, brother. Uh, man, I literally, probably the, the next hunt after that, I couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. Really? I, I got too cocky, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were you were living it up that morning, man. I know. Well, you got it on camera, so. It, Did you it, literally yeah. were six for six, I think. The, oh, like right off the bat, man. It was, it was just insane. I just pretty much watched the rest of the hunt after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was a good thing to watch because they were just feet down. Oh, yeah. Backpedaling, man. It was awesome. So anyway, um, so how, how did you get into duck hunting? Oh, man. So my dad was a football coach. I literally played sports my whole life. Did not grow up hunting. Um, go to college in Arkansas. Didn't hunt a single bit in Arkansas. And played I had, soccer. Played soccer, yeah. yeah. In college. In college, Dude's yeah. an athlete. Exactly, right? Uh, <laughs> still still have it. No, just joking. Uh, so went to college. All my buddies up there hunted. Literally had no interest. Never even got an invite. Honestly, I didn't even, like, shoot guns uh, at any point. Like, there was just – we just didn't have – my dad had a shotgun. That was about the extent of the guns in the home. Um, married my high school sweetheart. And after college, we got married, and her sister, um, her husband, my brother-in-law, Cody, uh, we were all hanging out one evening. He's like, hey, we're going duck hunting in the morning. You want to go? And I was like, dude, I have nothing. I have no camo. I have no gun. So he got me all suited up and ready to go, and I've literally not even shot skeet. Like, I I know nothing uh, about (laughs) duck hunting. I know nothing about (laughs) shooting a gun. So... um, we went hunting. They they shot a few birds. I wasn't involved in it at all because I was just really kind of watching it. Mm-hmm. And then we went and jumped some ponds, uh, which was – they were doing it for me to, yeah. to get me used to shooting a gun and sneaking up on birds and shooting them. And, uh, and so – I got so excited after loading – like I shot my first bird. Um, it was like a teal. I reloaded my shotgun. I got so excited. I actually loaded the shell in backwards. Oh, no. And I couldn't get the thing out. <laughs> and then um, we jumped that pond. It was still early on. And then birds started coming in, and they all started sitting down and hunting. And I couldn't. I'm over here. I don't know how to work a shotgun. Mm-hmm. The, it's loaded backwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is probably like, oh, gosh. Last year sometime. Yeah, last year. Yeah. About, about 12 years ago, yeah. almost 12 years ago. And uh, But, man, I fell in love with it. Um, and we got on some canvas backs that day, and that is that is just my my number one bird really? right there. And I think it might have kind of you know have something to do with uh, being one of the first group of birds I've seen work and hunt on an actual hunt. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, how I got into it is my brother-in-law introduced me to it, and then the floodgates opened. That's and cool, man. We had uh, to get a dog and had to get the yeah. camo. It was it was full bore from there. Yeah, dude, uh, I, I did the same thing. So last year we went uh, – we were in Oklahoma last year on a, on a hunt. My dad wanted to take myself, my brother-in-law, and Chris, who's basically my brother. Uh, we all – he wanted to take us on a hunt. And so Chris – He's hunted some ducks. Oh yeah, he but, came. He came with us last year. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he yeah, came on there. Yeah. yeah, and so like he 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 usually will do. He's not uh, he's not as crazy about it as he is like the Patriots or anything. But like he uh, <laughs> he 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 will go and does it every once in a while and and pr- probably once or twice a year usually goes. So there's that. There's me. I've hunted quite a bit, and then there's Billy, my yeah, brother-in-law. You can, you can shoot a shotgun. I don't think you 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 shot pretty well the. Last time we hunted, together. shot a lot of shotgun shells yeah, in my buddy. life. Yeah. So I don't think you let a bird get by you 
last I try time not to. I try not to. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Billy, or my brother-in-law, um, he is not really a hunter, and uh, but super, you know, he's athletic and everything. And and uh, anyway, he, I think he's kind of handled some guns before, but not a whole lot. And uh, so he goes in that hunt with this, and we were in the first day. We were in this these bail blinds, and or actually they weren't bail blinds, but they were similar to that, where they were like enclosed and had like a little, you know, uh, I don't know what it's called, like but a, a window backstop to it. Or yeah, a little yeah. backstop, yeah. got a window out front, and so we're like we're set up close to a golf course where the oh geese, like, you know, on the reservoir <laughs> there, the golf course is using their the geese are just crazy. Like that's where they're roosting, and so they're getting up in the morning, and it was actually pretty late. I was surprised and coming to us. And it's all uh, cacklers mainly. And so yeah. uh, we ended up, there's 10 of us, and we killed, I think, like 50 or something like that. What 51. And, um, but Billy was sitting beside me, you know, the whole time. And uh, he was like, I started realizing he wasn't even shooting half the time. He was just stand up, you know, and point. Because <laughs> he was just, he was just, and I appreciate that about somebody who's a, like a first time hunter. Oh, dude. Like, not, you know, not yeah. like going, because it's easy, man. Uh, once you when you first start hunting to like just jump up and start doing shooting crazy shots and oh, over man. people's heads and stuff you know and like it's still still you have to have a lot of discipline even 12 years after you start you know you like you gotta you have to be aware it's one of those things that you get so locked into birds especially i feel like bird hunting could be really dangerous if you're with guys you don't know too well you know so. oh yeah well you've heard me say it hey man watch my dog mm-hmm. you know I, every time I, I, he's I hunt, out there yeah i hunt with a dog and i it's that's about probably the one quality i bring to uh to the duck hunt <laughs> no because uh, i can't call for anything but uh anyway uh yeah you just this happened on the hunt i asked you to come with uh my brother-in-law and i we hunt every weekend together we have we know how to hunt with each other we don't even have to talk about who's shooting what, what lane, who's calling birds. We're on the same page. Well, Blue was out getting a mallard. Um, Blue is my dog. He was out getting a mallard in the in the field. At that same time, four wood ducks landed. And I said, watch Blue. Like I just said, and he he, he heard me. And um, I shot the drake on the, on the water. I'm not going to lie. I'm all about shell conservation sometimes. <laughs> uh, but with wood ducks, it was uh, they came in quick, shot one on the water, and then um, shot one flying off. And at that same time, Blue turned around after I shot first. He came back to the water to get the duck. That uh, Blue jumped into the water. Um, he jumped from, some, from behind some bushes, and Cody had shot and peppered Blue. And uh, thankfully, nothing happened to Blue. But, man, my brother-in-law, he's been hunting his whole life and is super diligent about safety, and so am I. And that little accident happened, and like I said, thankfully, nothing happened, mm-hmm. but... That was just two weeks ago, yeah. and uh, you know I've hunted with a dog for ten years, and that was the first time I've had an, an accident with a dog. Mm. But lesson to be learned, yeah, though. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, yeah, safety is, especially with new hunters. Good gosh, man! Yeah, I make sure I almost don't even shoot the first two volleys mm-hmm. because I want to see how they're going to react, <laughs> yeah. and I'm also making sure my dog doesn't break and 100 mm-hmm. percent sure he is yeah. out of the clear. And sometimes I recommend just having them have one shell and the oh, gun. Oh yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah. And I, I also recommend like being, well, a lot of people are right-handed being on their right side oh, because yeah. they just can't whip that gun around as much. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I do that. I try to do that with people that are, I'm, you know, a lot of times if I'm, if I'm, they're new hunters to me or whatever, you know, I just, until I get to, 
hunt with them a time or two. Oh, yeah. Like I'll try to sit. I'll be like, I'll take the right side over here, even oh, if it, even if it's not the place where the birds are going to be working into. You know. Well, I've hunt with my nephews, and <laughs> since they were little, and I'm talking since probably they were eight. Now they're they're 16 and 18 years old. Man, every time guns on safety mm-hmm. make you know this is your lane yeah. this is where you're shooting do not shoot over my head or your you know mm-hmm. this is where you can and cannot shoot mm-hmm. and i told them that probably about two or three times every hunt to make sure that they were being safe right yeah it's good man and it's something that you just can't you can't hear it enough man i feel like and i don't know maybe we should do a whole podcast on that sometime but um you know speaking of the dangers of duck hunting. Yeah, right. You had a scary boating accident uh, a few years back. <laughs> Tell me the story. <laughs> I, that. I don't know I if I've really heard this full story. Like, I catch <sighs> a piece of it every time that I'm around you and Cody, you know? Well, thank, <laughs> thank the good Lord we laugh at it uh, at this moment um, in time. But, man, at the time it was scary. So, we were just getting into hunting public water uh, a few years back. And, um, and so, we got us a boat, a little bitty fiberglass boat. And we were it was going fiberglass. It's fiberglass, that. yeah. But it was like so, an old school one, and it ended up coming in to save save us at the end of the day. I'll, <laughs> I'll share that shortly. Yeah. But uh, it's a little fiberglass boat, and man, we just had it overweighted. We just had too much weight on it. Too much guns, decoys, people. But we were hunting a small public lake here, um, and in Sulphur Springs. So easy access. Not a huge boat ride. Not a long boat ride. Uh, the weather was fine, no winds, um, nothing forecasted. Man, we had a great, it was opening day, and it was probably about 50 degrees. And, man, we shot probably like 12, 14 birds, and they were ma- early season mallards and wood ducks, and um, which is kind of not always the case uh, when you go public hunting, uh, public land hunting early on in the season, mm-hmm. uh, here in Texas at, at least. And so, anyway, this lake is separated by a dam, and there's a the dam is broken in one area. So you have one lake on one side and a lake on the other side. Well, uh, the lake where we hunted is all surrounded by trees and there's, you can't really tell the wind. So we were going, we, we were leaving the hunt and, um, we're leaving the hunt, go through that little opening in the dam. And then all of a sudden the wind picks up after about <laughs> 200 yards out onto the other lake that has no trees around it and is super exposed. So, we get out uh, about 200 yards out, and I'm like, my brother-in-law, Cody, is like, Cody, these waves are too strong. You need to turn around. And at that same moment, he, he agreed with me. He turned the boat around, and the weight of the front, somebody had scooted up front, and it kind of pushed the nose of the boat down. At that same moment, a wave came over and into the boat. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ooh. so anyway, we're about 200 yards out. Uh, so I told you we had a fiberglass boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what happened was, well, first things first is we all threw our waders off because we, um, we thought we were about to sink. Well, thankfully we had neoprene waders and by the way, those float. Yeah. I wouldn't have known that until you told me that. Oh no, no trust me. I was like, waders off, waders off, man. It was, <laughs> we were, we were pulling them off and next thing you know, we were floating and we didn't have life jackets on either. That was another thing. Like now I don't get on a boat without a life jacket. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I'm going in a little canoe on a private pond. I'm in, I have a life jacket on. I'm I'm that uh, nervous about it now. But anyway, we made sure my little nephew was with us. I made sure he had a a life jacket because they were right there at our feet. So he got a life jacket. We all got life jackets on that fiberglass boat had like a little air pocket underneath. So the whole boat sunk underwater. Everything in the boat like rises to the top of the water. But then all of a sudden the boat floated back up, (laughs) but it was full of water. 
And it's because of that air pocket. Yeah. But my brother-in-law Salvo stayed on the boat motor, uh, stayed on it until it died, got full of water. Uh-huh. He got about 100 yards away. Thankfully, we had a trolling motor on there, and it trolled all the way back in. To, to, <laughs> it was awful. So our buddies that were out there hunting with us, they were in another boat. So we were trying to get them to come over and help us. Well, their motor quit working in the middle of the boat, oh, in the man. middle of the lake. So they couldn't help us. Dude, it was one of those mornings that, thank the good Lord, he was watching out for us. Yeah. Because it could have been dangerous real quick and... It'd have been it'd have been bad, man. That's just crazy, man. Oh, dude, it I was, never. It was intense, but it was funny because of some of the things. Like right when the boat went under, uh, I just started praying out loud, and <laughs> just like, "Dear Lord, you." I was like, "Dear Lord, we need your help right now." And uh, so, like, in case all, you're not watching, <laughs> right this moment. Yeah. So, uh, like Cody, uh, my brother-in-law, he, uh, they all started laughing. They're like, "Dude, right when we went under." You just started praying. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know what else to do. Um, and then even what's even funnier is my uh, somebody took, because we had to go to a different boat ramp. So our truck was at another boat ramp. And we're literally not even at a boat ramp. We're like on some rocks on the on the bank. And so anyway, somebody finally came over and got us. And by the way, it's 50 degrees. We're cold and mm-hmm. we're soaking wet, head to toe, soaking wet. And somebody took my brother-in-law to his uh, his truck. Well, he came back and when he got out of the truck... He uh, he literally had on a red windsuit because he just had he just had an extra pair of clothes in his well not clothes he had pants and a jacket and the mm-hmm. dude walked out just looking like Flavor Flav or something <laughs> it was one of the funniest things it was it was really refreshing to see because we were all kind of we were freezing mm-hmm. and all our phones had died or were ruined um, by the way the only thing we lost were the ducks and a shell belt really yes. So the shotguns yeah. were stayed in the shotguns boat. Shotguns stayed in the boat. Everything stayed in the boat. Golly. So that's it was so now we laugh about it because we talk about Cody wearing the red <laughs> suit, yeah. me praying out loud, just like it, it and then um and then not losing a single thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, except, you know, things that that's crazy. Yeah, it was man. wild. That is so crazy. we sold that boat, made a few hundred bucks on it, and uh, <laughs> we got a bigger boat now. That's good. That's good. Which you still really won't go out in, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, this year, well, yeah. As long as it's a uh, one degree or one mile per hour wind, I will get on a. <laughs> I will get on the water. Yeah, 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 dude. That's just that's such a, a crazy story, man. It was I, wild, but man, like I said, honestly, the good Lord was watching out for us, and um, yeah, it was uh, it was intense. Man. So. People can probably tell this at this point, but in case they can't, you're a community builder in my eyes. Oh, awesome! Thanks. Why, like, why do you, why do you love to bring people together so much? Well, I, I guess maybe it probably comes from my dad. He was a football coach, and uh, just seeing him kind of treat everybody uh, the same, no matter how much money they had, what nationality they were, what color they—it doesn't matter. He treated them all the same, and. Um, just always had a good time when he was out in public. And I think I got that quality from him, but especially when it comes to like duck hunting, the reason I duck hunt is, um, I can't sit in in a deer stand for five, six, I can (laughs) go for a couple, two or three hours, but brother, I'm going to be standing up at about second hour. I'm going to pull a, I'm going to pull a rice crispy treat out and eat that sucker. (laughs) Uh, maybe there's a reason I'm only shot one deer uh, in my lifetime. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, so duck hunting just allows me that opportunity to kind of move around Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, but I like to enjoy those moments with, with people. And I'm looking forward to enjoying those moments with my boys. Um, 
you know, coming up because Riker, he's eight and he'll turn nine next year. And that's, I got him a little 410. So I think I'm going to get him out in the. I got Jed a 410. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. I haven't told you he shot it. Oh, nice. And did not like it. Oh, no. Riker doesn't (laughs) like it yet. He doesn't like it yet. Uh, The 410's got a little kick to it. it That single shot 410 will kind of put a a lump on you, man. I've I've got it right here behind me. I'll show it to you. I I modified it a little bit, Um, cut the the stock down and cut the barrel down. And um, it's an old single shot um, bolt action 410. It's pretty pretty dirty. But, uh, But no, man, I just really enjoy. Just cracking up, having a good time, cracking jokes. And I played sports my whole life, so that locker room kind of mentality of um, still having that sense of community while you're duck hunting. And, Mm -hmm. man, what I really like about it is um, there are are a handful of people that duck hunt in this area, and um, I like sharing my spots with those people in hopes that they'll let me hunt with them too because – like this year, I wasn't holding the birds, but Jonathan was holding the birds. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, last year, I was holding the birds, and people came with me mm-hmm. type deal. Uh, I repaid Jonathan with a couple of hunts, and uh, he was when he wasn't having holding birds this year, he got to come hunt with us a few times. Mm-hmm. So uh, he didn't come with us. I couldn't get you or Jonathan to come with us the last weekend. <laughs> I'm so – yeah. Dude, I would – I totally – you can ask KC. I was, I was like, man um, – he was like, we're going small game hunting this, this weekend. I was like, well, it just depends on if we have ducks or not. If we do, I probably will go do that, man. And he was like, okay. So Friday, I was like, all right, well, hadn't heard from Slade. So, you know, and I, I guess it was just like I said, mm, service, really. phone service deal, you know. But yeah, that's fine. I was going yeah, to say that, like, your, your uh, sense of, like, community building, you know, like whether you have a ton of intention in, in this or not, like surely that plays into getting permissions and, and, you know, getting to go on hunts with people and that kind of thing, I would guess. I mean, man, yes. And what I'm in, and I'm also in outside sales. So thankfully I've heard the word no enough times that <laughs> yeah. it doesn't, I'm not afraid to ask, uh, to, to go on a hunt or if, um, or if you have a piece of property. And so I'm not afraid to just go up there and ask somebody and what I I don't just go up immediately and start asking them, Hey, can I hunt your property? I get to talk to them, try to make that connection, try to see if they know one of my family members or whoever the case may be, and just really make that connection. Mm. And then, then I ask them and then if they say no, that's, it's okay. I'm I'm that next, I'm one step closer to a yes, but Hey, what's the worst they're going to say is no. And I'm, but the best thing they can say is yes and <laughs> yeah. get out there. But also when it comes to other people that duck hunt, uh, I'm not afraid to, I'll, I'll usually throw the invite out there first. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like with Jonathan, Jonathan invited uh, us opening day uh, this year. And, and so, yeah, I'm not afraid to invite somebody and then also ask them, Hey, Hey brother, I brought you on a hunt and do you care? Are you holding birds? Right. And can we come hunt with you this weekend? Right. I'm not afraid to ask. They that. kind of infer that, though. You don't Sometimes have to say, they do. Sometimes yeah. they don't, man. There's uh, unfortunately I've hunted with uh, some younger generation uh, folks, and yeah. they don't understand that concept, <laughs> uh, which is fine. And yeah. it's and and honestly, they probably don't. They don't even think twice about it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, more the. Sometimes you got to say it, though, huh? Yeah, and yeah. I, and I'm not afraid to. Yeah. I really am not. That's uh, cool. Yeah, but, because I'm, I'm I'm constantly communicating with them. And I build that friendship like you. I, man, I'm driving to work. I'm I'm in the car for an hour. I'm giving you a call. We're mm-hmm. talking. We'll talk for 30, 45 minutes. I do the same thing with, with uh, you know, 
people that I hunt with as mm-hmm. well that are that are that are becoming more and more friends and than just hunting buddies. Right. Yeah. So what's the what's the so when you go up to ask somebody that you don't know, what's the first thing you start talking about? Like, how do you approach that person? Because I I will stutter so bad yeah. through through and stumble through something that's just by the end of it, I'm like. I literally sound like some kind of convict out here. That's like yeah. trying, like they 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 literally think that I'm on drugs, you know, and I can't speak. Yeah. You know, I, I feel every, terrible. Every situation is different. Um, you know, my brother-in-law sometimes will do it if he knows it has a little bit of a personal connection. But man, we'll be driving down the road and we see birds just funnel into an area, and we'll be <laughs> like, okay, we need to figure out who owns this piece of property. Then we need to go up and, and talk to them. And honestly, more times than not, it's a no. But uh, mm-hmm. what I do is typically just. I, I walk up to their front door or I try to catch them outside and um, I just introduce myself and and typically I'm in full camo because I just came from another hunt or something like that and man I just start talking to them and getting to know them and like I literally just say hey my name's Slade Daniel I was hunting around the area saw some birds drop in over here um, and really just start talking then, to them so then that's like your first line, and then you drive them away from like the permission thing. First, yeah, I don't right? even you ask say, permission. I just yeah. introduce them. Hey, just saw some birds. Just wanted to just talk to you. You know, yeah. get to you know got you. Some acreage here, yeah, or something yeah. like that. I yeah. see you got some cows out in this area. Uh, you know, how long have y'all been here? And and yeah. man, typically, it's somebody that and we have a lot of cow pastures and a, a lot of dairy farms and stuff like that. And um, you know, so you talk about their cows or whatever the case may be, and it's really becomes a conversation. Sometimes people will talk to you and that's when you, you start just warming them up, talking to them, mm-hmm. just getting and But then when you see the conversation waning, you gotta say, Hey, look, Mr. And Mrs. Johnson, you know, I, I stopped cause I saw these ducks would really love an opportunity to, to hunt out there. Do you ever allow anybody to hunt on your property? And, uh, you've got to ask it. You've got to mm-hmm. ask it's, and sometimes they go, yeah, uh, or yeah, we have somebody hunting out here right now. And then I know that's a, a done deal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll go, no, we like to watch the ducks. Yeah. When they say, I like to look at the ducks, like, don't even ask again. <laughs> Me too. And you, and you yeah. leave. Um, but man, like the last guy I did, uh, I stopped and man, I was probably 45 minutes away from my hometown, but this guy's dad used to play football for my dad. And I found that out on the second time I stopped by there. So really? if I don't get permission the first time, and but there's kind of a chance, I'm going to stop back by and talk to him and get to know him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, come to find out the guy hunted or the guy played football for my dad. And uh, so I was able to make that connection. I still didn't get to hunt out there. <laughs> yeah. But dude, I've had that happen yeah. too, man. Like I feel like with, I feel like with deer hunting, things are different as well because a, a deer has fur, right? So people just love furry things. You know oh, what I mean? Yes. And it's big. And it's like when you take a deer off somebody's property, it's like a substantial thing that you take off their property, right? That lives there year round. Whereas ducks, it's like, ah, oh, we see them, you know, yeah. a couple months out of the year or whatever. Uh, so, like, I think that that's one thing that I struggle with or that when I'm asking for deer permission, at least, that that's a struggle for deer hunters. Um, you know, and, and also, like, I've had that happen where it's like, man, you just, you'll sit there and talk to talk to somebody and like for instance oh, this is another thing that's that's a big deal with me that i struggle with is like so you may like go buy some like wide open cattle pasture there's a small tank in the middle and you see 20 birds sucked down you get your binos on it and there's like a hundred on there you're like holy cow and this is just something that happens as like like you said you've got ponds that like 
year in, year out, they may or may not have birds on them. Right. But there yeah. may be a yeah. ton of them on there at some point. So, like, this just happens, for instance. And so, like, yeah, go ask for permission. Like, you may not... You know, really, if you miss it, if you miss out on it, well, it's just that one hunt. Like maybe that that pond never holds birds. That's right. For me, when I look at it from a deer hunting perspective, I'm like, that's the baddest property in the whole place. It mm-hmm. isn't just a cattle pasture. You know, like I have to get permission on this, and I put so much pressure on myself. To that get is a that. different mindset because I know I have way more opportunities to ask than you do. Right. Uh, because you're like you said, I'll just try to ask that next landowner that has birds in this area, in this vicinity. And right. I know I can pull those birds in. Yeah. Um, but what I, my, the first thing that I do is I really look at my network of people here mm-hmm. locally, um, that I know either have land that own dairies that I go to church with that have property. And most of the time they know I'm a duck hunter. Uh, and, but then it's literally, once you get to know those people and, and exhaust your network and even a couple people I go to church with that I, 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 I've just gotten to know um, here recently because I've been going to this church now just for a couple of years, this new church for a couple of years, um, it took a little while to get to know them. But um, I asked them, I said, hey, I know you have a little bit of acreage on the other side of town. Do you ever let anybody hunt it and gotten a, a new property? buy it just uh, mm-hmm. you know this last year now did it hold any birds unfortunately no it didn't <laughs> yeah. but i have that again uh for next year um another buddy of mine uh he he leases up land all over town for cows he knows i'm a duck hunter i saw him out the other day he's like hey man i just got some new property it's holding a few ducks um obviously season's over uh but that's going to be for next year as well mm-hmm. i got another buddy that uh He's got uh, people deer hunting on his property. So he's like, where we dove hunted at? You, you, okay. Yeah, you remember where we I dove was, hunted yeah, at? Yeah, I was going to ask you about this guy. Yeah, so um, just go to church with him, mm-hmm. and I know he keeps cows. And I just walked up to him one day. I was like, hey, hey man, um, I know you've got cows. Do you ever have any ducks on your property? And he said, no, I've got some dove. Come out there and shoot those things if you want. And, um, and then so, but uh, anyway, I couldn't duck hunt this year because – He's got deer hunters out there. And so if anybody I ask um, that has or anybody that I'm asking permission to for duck hunting, if they say they have they enjoy looking at the birds or they have deer hunters, then the mm. that opportunity is is over as yeah. well. And I and I know that. And you gotta you gotta have that situational awareness to say, okay, is there an opportunity for me to get to duck duck hunt here uh, or uh, deer hunt here? And if you just are kind of pushing it and it's not natural, then you just you just need to learn to to walk away and, and right. but be okay with it. And yeah, I used yeah. to start. I used to try to start with hogs first, and then I I tried to, a lot of times. I got to a point well, where that's like good idea. people yeah. people would because uh, same thing like people don't like hogs, but like letting you out there with a deadly weapon is kind of one thing. Like especially like. Another thing about shotguns is like um, probably not going to kill too many people with a shotgun, right? But like right, if you yeah. let an arrow go awry or you know shoot a bullet, you know a little high, it, you could true. you could hurt somebody, right? And so I was having trouble like getting in permission, getting permission, getting into these properties um, through like, hey, I would love to shoot some of these hogs because I know you're in a creek bottom there, and I, I saw them, you know, I saw them, you know, digging around the ditch or whatever out in front of your property. So instead, I started, which still hasn't worked for me, and I haven't tried this in a couple of years because uh, we've been hunting public so much. But um, like bass fishing, 
like these people have like pretty good looking pond. That oh, yeah. I'm like, hey, would you mind if I, you know, come come out here and bass fishing? Do you ever do you ever use uh, and this sounds terrible, but do you ever use your your kids to be like, hey, my son wants to go fly, you know, bass fishing out here or whatever? So uh, what we typically <laughs> I will have a you, the last few times I've had my nephews with me, so mm. we'll just kind of walk up together, um, so I don't look like some creep off the street <laughs> yeah. uh, coming up and asking them, can I just walk around your property with a firearm? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. Typically, that man, that does help because that that wall comes down. So, you gotta. Those are the things you you got to remember whenever you're going into these situations. Is man, people and like I, I'm in sales, so people buy from people at the end of the day. In my opinion, they do. Mm-hmm. Yes, they still buy products and uh, for certain products and things like that. But people want to buy from somebody they trust, somebody that they feel like they know, and. Um, and when you can bring in that personal element, like, hey, this is my son and I, this is my nephew and I, this is my brother-in-law, these are my nephews, whatever that, that conversation is, it kind of lets them know, okay, this isn't some weirdo mm-hmm. out here. This is a, a family guy that mm-hmm. probably has similar viewpoints as I do because right. uh, they are hunting uh, and, and carrying a gun and things like that. So. With that being said, uh, I haven't used Riker or Hank yet on that, uh, but I will now yeah. that you said that. I, need I will to, bring them. I, I just uh, that just yeah. came off the dome, dude. I, I love like, it. I need to I need to remember to use that. You but know? and especially you know, and and every state is is probably different, um, especially because you're going up to Kansas asking for, and which I bet that people get hit up constantly over there. But um, every state is probably different and unique. Here in Texas, a lot of people don't care about ducks or have an understanding of ducks at all but people understand deer mm-hmm. and people understand or and or they know a family member or a friend yeah that they would probably rather them hunt that deer mm-hmm. than you or i yeah uh, which is i've run I, into that a lot oh yeah because my, my, oh, nephew, my nephew hunts it, my nephew yeah. Hunts it. Yeah. yeah and um it, it that's a tough one man it really is but the thing you've got to just keep doing is you can't be afraid to hear the word no mm. I kind of am, so yeah, well, I've got to get over that. Yeah, rejection, sure. rejection does suck. Uh, <laughs> and I've been told no a lot. Of but course, it's you like, are, yeah, you know, but it's more like uh, booking venues and stuff like that. You know? <laughs> it's like, like, hey, can we, can we come play? I promise we'll do a good job. You know, no, we're yeah. we're not. Oh we'll, we'll, we'll we'll maybe look at you next year. Uh, we'll play some Maroon Five, and then it's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. But uh, but honestly, man, you just gotta. Get that out of your mindset. Uh, you got to walk up there thinking, "Hey, I'm going to hope like the be optimistic." Obviously, of course, that they're going to say yes, um, and that you can find common ground and build a conversation with them and find the right person. Right. Because a lot of times, I'll find a hand on a property, and here he or she, you know, they're they have no ability to say yes. Um, they do have the ability to say no, though. Mm-hmm. So you've got to really kind of tiptoe yeah. around that with eggshells. That's a good point because. We ran into that in Kansas this year where, like, um, uh, we ended up calling a landowner and get permission and finding out through the grapevine, calling other landowners, that the hand that works that property was not happy about it. Of course. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and not that hand doesn't even hunt, but it's just a matter of having cattle out there, you know, and they don't know that we're bow hunting. Yeah. That hand doesn't. They, they We may have a, you know. Well, same thing. I sell software, so... Uh, I could be working with the technical IT champion person all day long. We have a solution. We make the numbers look good. It makes sense to him or her. Um, they, But I have to get them to 
a lot of times to technically say yes, but uh, they have they don't have any ability to sign on the dotted line. And mm-hmm. if I don't have access to what we call an economic buyer, the AKA the landowner, mm-hmm. dude, there's my deal is dead in the water. I can't forecast it. I can't say I'm going to sell it. Um, it's not a deal. It's not yeah. real. Yeah. Uh, and same thing going with. Uh, so I know that uh, which is slick. The freaking Onyx app, app yeah. now. That thing is. It's awesome. You yeah. just used to, you'd have to get tax rolls or you'd have mm-hmm. to go knock on the door just blind. And uh, now you can figure out who owns that property and go talk to them. Yeah. And I was see, li- you can find their house on there. Unbelievable. You know what I mean? I was in Cooper uh, the other day uh, on some public land uh, scouting and I saw some hogs run across a uh, pasture. And I was like, man, I'd love to go shoot these things. <laughs> um, look on the app, uh, the Onyx app. I know the landowner. Yeah. And it, it's just some family land that's been in their land or in their na- or in their family for years, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, "Yeah, if you see a pig out there, shoot that thing next time." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's it's uh, and that was I was like, "This is awesome." This that's and cool. that's that's that was a rare uh, occasion right there. But yeah, uh, now it's a lot easier with technology to to kind of say, "Hey, Mr. Smith, would would really love the opportunity to hunt out here," but you can. Get, tell them you get to know you you get you have their name uh mm-hmm. and that helps also too right. yeah but i think like the the uh the key or like maybe the big overarching concept here for what you're saying because you keep you're kind of like yeah you just kind of got to get lucky or that was just a blind luck case but your network is big oh yeah you know what i mean like that's so like i think the the whole theme here is like increase your network get to know people and not maybe not just for selfish reasons like what can you do to serve them, right? You know, but at the same time, like just having a good network. Uh, for me personally, uh, with the band, you yeah. know, I, I relate a lot of stuff to that. But um, you know, like <clears throat> having a big network is great because, like, now you've got a bunch of people talking about you, and you're going to sell more, see, you know, CDs or albums or whatever you're selling, you know, shirts and all this, and people are going to come to your shows. But then, like, when you're not. Uh, when you start to fall, when something happens, when you go into depression or whatever, you get mm-hmm. sad about something, something happens in your life, you've got like a big network to kind of lift you up. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So it's it's just this whole, it's not, you don't want to go about it selfishly, but at the same time, like maybe you start, you start selfishly and go also, how can I serve people? You That's know? right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's the same thing essentially because um, you're exactly right because you're going into it saying, well... I have these other people that can benefit from it and or I can benefit from it as well. So I got an example um, that will kind of bring this full picture. So I found probably about 50 cacklers, 100 teal on this pond. I couldn't get a hold of the landowner. I couldn't. The hand was never out there when I drove by. Couldn't get it. So I called two buddies that I duck hunt with, and I asked them, one of them is a guide, by the way, yeah. who pays for property. Um, because if I wasn't going to get it, I wanted somebody I knew personally to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other is Jonathan, who uh, we talked about earlier, and we're going to release that Gadwall hunt on, with. Um, but I called him, seeing if he could get access to it. He got a hold of the hand and got access to it. But the ducks left, so we never got to hunt, oh, no. which stunk. Yeah. But um, anyway... That was the thing. Like, I was like, okay, I can't get access to it. I've exhausted all my options. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to drive by there one more time waiting for a hand to show up. Uh, and so I just called my network of folks, one, hoping Jonathan would get it, then invite me, mm-hmm. which benefits him because he's getting a new spot to hunt. Right. But 
invite your boy. Mm-hmm. And then, um, or if Jonathan and I can't get it, hopefully Ed, our buddy, mm-hmm. who has a guide service, will get that and then he'll invite me too maybe, <laughs> maybe. or yeah. have me go but if, or if nothing else i mean yeah. like you care about ed and like he yeah. gets to take some clients or whatever maybe and have a good hunt and maybe helps ed's family out you know whatever. exactly so. and so it's it's one of those things and same thing like i had a buddy call me to go do some video work and i told them yeah, i yeah, said that's right. I said, look, I'm the talent. I'm not, I'm, I'm in front of the camera. I'm not behind the camera. Um, I wear and, the makeup. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and in this uh, instance, I have a face for radio. So this is, uh, right. this is perfect. Yeah. This is my medium. Uh, but, oh, whatever, dude. But anyway, a buddy of mine at Realtree called me and said, uh, hey, can you go? Uh, my buddy needs some video work out in West Texas. And I said, unfortunately, I don't do that, but I got the right guy that can do that. Mm-hmm. Here's some of his videos. Next thing you know, you're driving to West Texas filming some awesome mule deer. Yeah, when so, I should have been hunting. Yeah, that is true. Sorry, <laughs> no, that, no, that was that was. I needed that money big time. That, yeah. was, that was a good month for me for but, sure. But it's one of those things. Like, uh, uh, yes, that is why we're here on Earth. We're mm. here to, tr- you know, treat people like the way we want to be treated, right? Um, and just show love, just yeah. like Jesus would. And man, that is that is really a core belief of mine. Is to help people out uh, in any way that I can. So we just did a spiritual gifts test at church, and that was one of them, is mm-hmm. uh, just being a uh, somebody that, that gives. Yeah. And I didn't realize that was... Considered a spiritual gift, just giving, and uh, it, but it's not of your time. Or it's not just of your money, is what it's talking about. Mm-hmm. It's your time. It's 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 really helping other Actions people. Out and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's cool, dude. Because we we did a uh, last uh, probably last quarter or so at, at my church, we did a get we did a huge lesson on gifts, um, and it was like. It was like, I don't know, it was like two months long. I mean, that's was, awesome. Yeah, so pretty interesting there. But anyway, back to what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, sorry that we no, just that's got good. Um, So uh, you've also done some of the least things before, right? Some of the, the, you know, outside of permissions and that kind of thing. Like, have you ever had multiple places in a year that you leased? No, so this is really one of the first years that I've leased. So if there's ever money involved um, to get access to a property, I usually turn it over to a buddy of mine that is has a guide service and willing mm-hmm. to pay this year we got on a lease because a couple of guys got off of it and we knew of this lease for the last four or five years and we just always constantly stayed in their ear hey if anybody drops off this lease let us know let us know let us know so being consistent and two mm-hmm. guys dropped off my brother-in-law brother-in-law and i hopped on and uh, man we shot some ducks on this place thankfully mm-hmm. this year and shot some good pigs and yeah, last weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. We, had to... we we've had some. We had a couple of uh, decent hunts. Had a few solo hunts out there because um, it was holding probably about ten or fourteen birds, which I can hunt solo on that mm-hmm. uh, and have a decent hunt. But it's not a hunt that I can invite a bunch of people on. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting having a, a lease this year uh, because. I can't invite a ton of people on that, uh, just do the landowner's uh, rules. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I typically don't lease property. I've enjoyed it. I do like not having to pay for property right. to hunt on. But um, it did, when my other private or yeah, my other private holes dried up, it granted me an opportunity to have access to game. Mm-hmm. Where I otherwise otherwise would not have. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, so is that like a contracted? Did you contract the lease? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So and what about? Have you ever contracted any of the permission spots? Or uh, man, you know what? The contracts would were only around um, 
just liability shifting uh, onto me, as in um, I'm hunting at my own risk. Yeah. So, yeah. so like, did you draw that up, or did they draw the contract? A up? few landowners have drawn that up, and yeah. honestly, you know, that's now that I'm thinking about, it, that's probably something decent to have in your back pocket to mm-hmm. say, hey, look, Mister, Missus, landowner, if you're nervous about me getting hurt or anything happening, here's just a waiver, just showing that there's no, I'm not going to come back and sue you or mm-hmm. anything like that. So, yeah. again you know, kind of dropping that wall. Uh, so that's probably a good idea to just kind of keep in your back pocket when you yeah. have somebody on the fence. Yeah, man, I've thought about it before too. Um, and I just never have, like I need, you need to put some in your glove box or something. Yeah. Of, don't you, you know, like I feel, and I just never have for some reason. I also like, does it matter? Does it matter how you draw that up? I mean, is it, it was, it was boilerplate off the internet. It looked like okay. just really just shifting liability to, hunt at your own risk that's about the only thing i got you yep it's one page so you run or have run a pretty successful ducks unlimited chapter here in town um to what do you attribute the success of that chapter so the thing about ducks unlimited is you have to have people at the banquet right Mm -hmm. and the way you get people at the banquet whether it's ducks unlimited delta waterfowl as another organization or what you know, quell forever, whatever your organization is that you support, um, you have to have butts in the seats. Mm -hmm. And the way we do that is by selling corporate tables. And when I took over and, and even when, so Ed, the guy mentioned the duck guide earlier, myself, we, since we've taken over, we've really just made an effort of going after local businesses and exhausting our network again, uh, casting that net out. And, man, a majority of these people don't even duck hunt. They just like to come, have a good time, uh, take their company or their employees out, uh, whatever, and their buddies out, and to come eat, drink, and have a chance to win a gun. Mm -hmm. So we really made a big effort going after businesses and selling tables. And, you know, each year our goal is to have about 20 to 30 tables sold. And, again, exhausting my network, everybody that I know in each of these companies not afraid to ask them for their for them to make a donation and or to buy a table at Ducks Unlimited. So again, just that's what has been so just hard, so hard work, nose to the ground kind of thing. That's huh? it, man. Yeah. So yeah. you're not going to just take over a banquet and say, oh, it's going to be successful because we're going to have a hundred guns or this or that and put right. some marketing on Facebook. No, I'm literally walking into these businesses, asking the person that can say yes or no. Yeah. And saying Hey, Mr. Smith, are you wanting to come to Ducks Unlimited? Mm-hmm. Here, and they're like, oh, well, what's Ducks Unlimited? Then I explain it to them and then ask them again, do you want to come? Yeah. I wait till they tell me no. I've got yeah. a text message on my phone right now from like three people with their answer. So I'm interested in what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, Texas has a big economy, which I think uh, our, our Ducks Unlimited chapters across the state here do really well, I feel like, uh, the banquets and such. Um, we give a lot of money to Ducks Unlimited here in Texas, um, but a common complaint that I hear is that like we send a lot of that money a long ways from here, right? Yeah. We send it all up north, and they do projects up there, which is important because that's where ducks are made. The duck factory is what they call it, you know? So do you ever have any qualms about sending money up north, especially like on a year like this year, 2018, when we saw so many, so few birds? Man, I'm about the ducks. That's that's really the main thing, and and... Where the ducks are, um, you know, really spending the majority of their time and where they're breeding are the grounds that I feel like are important to 
me and my my kids mm -hmm. uh, potentially, or if they get into hunting, um, and for the legislation, them fighting for land bills, for them fighting for conservation. So the people do have qualms about it only being up north, but let's be real. Um, we are in northeast Texas. We are dairy and cattle farmers. Nobody is, we don't have the grounds to have beans, rice, whatever it is that the ducks want to come to. I've hunted on multiple ducks, ducks unlimited conservation areas here locally, and it's just water. It's just flooded water that's about a foot deep or two foot deep um, because nobody is putting the, locally is putting the food in the ground that ducks want to come here to. Mm -hmm. So I think it's each kind of individual county uh, or area of Texas or whatever state you're in, depending on your crops, really determines on are ducks going to come and be with you all winter long, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have an issue with my money going up north because Ducks Unlimited has done stuff here in the Hopkins County region, and it's no different than the pond I'm hunting right across the road right. or uh, down the whatever, however far apart they are, uh, because we're not farming right. uh, to bring the ducks here. And Ducks Unlimited is not creating rice grounds for right. uh, people uh, here locally because we don't have the farmers to do that. We're mm -hmm. All our property is is uh, for cows. So you're saying, basically, am I, am I taking it right that your money is better spent somewhere where it's going to produce more ducks and nesting habitat, essentially, than somewhere down here where they're just going to flood a cattle pasture. That's it. Yeah, they're yep. just going to um, berm up a p cattle pasture and then run water on to it. Mm -hmm. And that that's really about the extent of it. Mm -hmm. Now, if we had dairy farmers that were mass-producing soybeans or rice or whatever other crop, then we may, and corn, mm -hmm. we may have that potential here. Yeah. But we don't have the industry for that here locally right. to support any Ducks Unlimited habitat. Now, is it good to have those type of things? Yes, of course it is. But it's not going to be just like we're right. going, you know, hunting Makes a huge garden. difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really isn't. So, yes, I want my money to go up north to give me more of a chance for birds to to migrate to me and, mm -hmm. and give right. give me an opportunity that yeah, way. Just Does that cold... make sense? I know that's kind of a no, long, yeah, long way no, to get there. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's uh, we just need some cold weather, to, like before February, right? Man, or and that's January. and that's that's the main point right there, Tyler. You hit the nail on the head. Is if we don't get the weather, and honestly, the the lakes and the rivers they can freeze up there. Mm -hmm. uh, we need the snow. We yeah. need the snow to cover the ground up north so that they cannot access food. Mm -hmm. And that pushes them down yeah. every time. Which in, And you say up north, like for us, if Oklahoma doesn't get frozen over, then we're not going to see birds like a good year, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. It's so unbelievable. It's, it's a kind of... Uh, at times frustrating, and it's kind of amazing that that like... Birds will not push past Oklahoma oftentimes if they, they are not pushed. They smoked them in Oklahoma this year. Yeah, uh, I, I, saw, I follow a bunch of outfitters online, and they smoked them. But, man, that is, that's, a, that's a good point is <clears> that, <throat> man, if we don't have that weather up north, then there's no, no chance yeah. uh, for us to, to have any success here. So and, and we're the last folks to shoot at these birds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I know. Uh, it makes it even that much more tougher. Yeah. And, you know, other states as Louisiana and other Alabama, Mississippi, they still have – they're at the bottom of the flyway as well. So mm -hmm. there's educated birds all the way 
down that. But yeah, our scent, we're literally right in the middle of two flyaways and where you and I hunt. And so they're really pulled into different directions, mm-hmm. um, going down to Louisiana, Mississippi, um, and then just the high plains of Texas. We're kind of like between yeah, those two it. major flyways. We yep. really are. And so we call it, and you and I call it kind of no man's land yep. uh, of ducks. So <laughs> yep. we're thankful to, to get ducks in this area. Yep. We like our gadwalls, don't we? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> it's becoming a, a, a staple around it here. It's a big duck. And <laughs> even though it's brown, we'll take them. Thankfully it quacks. That's right. That's right. So uh, kind of wrapping up here, why, why would you say that um, working with a conservation group, whether it's Ducks Unlimited, QDMA, whatever it might be. But for you, why is that important for you with, with Ducks Unlimited? Well, I look at it from just kind of like a, a legacy standpoint is that's the legacy I can leave my kids uh, and my grandkids, hopefully. And land is a precious resource. And if we just let it go to to industry and or um, just free enterprise, then there's not going to be much land left. Mm-hmm. And just being able to preserve that and know you had a, a help in that just kind of gives you peace of mind knowing that you're doing what you can actually do um, besides going knocking on senators' doors and, right. um, you know, being in um, Washington, D.C., just, you know, shouting for uh, public lands is you're really helping the smart people that have the time, the resources, the energy, um, and the legit the, – the team behind them mm-hmm. to to go fight for those things. So I feel like I'm doing my little part to to help them with that fight mm-hmm. uh, because I really would hate to see just this industry go away to the fact of that we don't have any public grounds to hunt on. That my kids, because my kids may not be like me to go get property, you mm-hmm. know, and right. they need an opportunity to go hunt public, public ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and or even just, uh, the, I mean, you may have been working towards <laughs> this, but just bird numbers, you know. Oh, like. and that's it. That Yeah, that's the that's the only thing I can do from a bird numbers perspective, mm-hmm. me personally. Uh, or, you know, I could build a wood box, yeah. uh, a wood duck box or two. But yeah. that is the most effective way I can help out the ducks. And uh, and honestly, i got to have a little blind faith that that's, that's working, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. That, the blind faith uh, in that and uh, is is important. But yeah. we've I'm, talked I'm hoping, about that before. Yeah. Like some of these these conservation orgs, um, you just got to do what research you can, or like trust in somebody or some organization that has vetted some of these things. Right. Just I mean, because there's not enough time in the day to really worry about every single penny that goes to a company, right? Like, oh, yeah. I mean. It's just hard. You don't have the time to do that. You're working. You're podcasting with famous people, and oh yeah, you know that kind of thing. Humble brag. <laughs> humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though. I mean, it's it, you have to just kind of do a little research right off the bat, and and hopefully, hopefully, yeah. um, just have good faith. You know that yeah. some, that they're doing the right thing with it. So, kind of uh, some like more quick hitters right yeah, here please. at the end. Um, favorite hunting memory. Oh, not sinking the boat. Uh, no, so uh, actually last year uh, we went into Arkansas. And, oh, yeah. Wait, is this duck hunting memory? Or? Uh, I mean hunting, period, okay. I think. But Okay, well, I'll, I'll switch this then. I was thinking we were just well, talking duck hunting. Well, tell this one too because this one's good. Okay, so duck hunting memory is last year went to Arkansas, and it was the coldest day ever or coldest week ever and the rivers of the all the wmas were frozen they were an inch thick couldn't get on any wmas couldn't even get bust up ice on um private flooded rice fields um four days in a row we shot one duck pulled the trigger on one duck one greenhead that was it 
Um, we finally found some open water in uh, a WMA. And that morning, we shot um, a nine-man limit of mallards and 11-man limit of pintails. And it was unbelievable. <laughs> were there any hens? There were hens, but they were not in the pictures. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was <laughs> there was like, only probably like, there's probably like, uh, now pintails, we were, we were able to pick those out. Mm-hmm. Uh, of mallards, there was probably like five or six yeah. of those. So Dude, it was, uh, it impressive. was, it was an impressive a, picture. It was, it was a barrel burner oh, for sure. Man. It was just one of those moments that you, you were in the X. It, yeah. You, they talk about the X all the time and. It was there. It Man. was right there. So that, that was my most favorite. And as with my brother-in-law and a good buddy of mine, and just being able to share that experience with them was just just awesome. We can just tell that story the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, dude, my son, my eight-year-old, freaking shot a doe. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was awesome. Uh, he shot a, a doe at about 200 or at about uh, 50 yards with a uh, 243. And what's awesome about this is, um, my two oldest boys have low vision, and so it's hard for them to see down a scope. Seeing through a scope is difficult. Can you kind of explain what that is to people who don't really know? What, low vision? Low vision, yeah. yeah. just um, what you and I, their vision, the best way to explain it, they have ocular albinism. Um, you go into Best Buy. You see all these HDT. You see 4K, you see 1080p, then you see 720. Uh, but then you see just a regular non-HD TV. They just don't see definition as well as you and I do with this, with their eye condition. Um, and what you and I see, maybe at, at, we have 20-20 vision, they have 2150 vision. So it's a little tougher for them to see at times. Uh, but with that being said, thank, thank God that there's technology out here that allows them the opportunity for to experience things like you and I experience. And there's a company called uh, Snake Look. And yes, I am plugging that because it was just an, it's an awesome little contraption that you put on your scope and then you just attach your cell phone to it. And then you're seeing the crosshairs and you're able to zoom in and you're seeing the crosshairs like you would through your scope. And uh, so my eight-year-old, uh, my brother-in-law and I uh, went out hunting youth season uh, we went target practicing the few days before, and he was smoking the targets. Um, and so we went out the second day of youth season, and um, the good Lord blessed us with a doe that walked out, and Riker shot her at uh, oh about 50, 55 yards and dropped her. And cool. it was cool. And what's neat about the snake look thing is you have your phone, and so your camera, you can hit record. Um, but my brother-in-law did not hit record, uh, but I did, I, I was able to record it from the side cause I wanted to experience it. I wanted right. to, ex- I didn't want to meet, I wanted Riker to be in control of it, but I also wanted to be able to witness it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I set to the side and Salvo, my brother-in-law helped out, uh, with it, but man, he dropped it and. Then he had to do the floss and the yeah, hype. I was going to say, he had to do all the silly Fortnite dances with it uh, <laughs> yeah. around it. I guess that's the new thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he was pumped. And, uh, and yeah, so whenever we pull out that deer to eat, he's telling everybody, this is my deer. That's this cool, is my dude. deer. So he's, cool. he's pretty pumped about it. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So uh, I think you said it earlier, but favorite duck. Is it a camasback? Man, camasback. Yeah. yeah, dude, it is. I love those things. They're freaking studs. Yeah, they they're are cool. fun. My dad has a pretty awesome mount of a canvas back at the lodge there. Man, the last few canvas backs that we've shot, um, I, it's on the lagoon, mm-hmm. the most unsuspecting place to shoot canvas backs. Um, but every time, the last two years when I've been wanting to get one mounted, 
I always have a group of friends with me hunting. And when the camera specs come in, you don't know who shot right. what bird. Mm-hmm. And so I've, unfortunately I've not been able to say, this is my bull Drake that I shot. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't got one mounted uh, over the last few, my, I was telling myself I'd do it over the last couple of years and I just haven't shot one I need, uh, that's that what, I know is mine. I need to pay you. Cause like I've been on some hunts with you. I hadn't really done anything for you. <laughs> I need to like. We used to have out there in front of the lodge. You releasing the the Gadwall duck hunt video is all I need. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the payment. I'm going to send you into just this multitude <laughs> of fame and millions of dollars. Uh, I'm I'm ready for that. <laughs> so we used to have like literally like two to three hundred canvas specs oh, during awesome. when cold periods out there in front of the lodge, and yeah. I mean it was insane, dude. And I ended up shooting a banded one out there. I think I told you that, dude. <laughs> Straight jelly. Okay, so so uh, dream hunt. So I want to catch the birds in the front end of the migration. That's it. I like wanna, Alberta, yeah, North Dakota? Yeah, Alberta. I'm, I would be fine with North Dakota. Um, just anywhere up north catching the birds uh, before they're full plumage uh, and they're – they're a little. They're they're ready to to, to migrate south. I want to mm-hmm. catch them on that that pattern. But you and I have also talked about doing a a harlequin hunt. Yeah, and like carving up our own decoys, throwing out a couple <laughs> decoys up north, and catching them off of like the Kodiak Island. And yeah. that would be ideal. But that's going to take yeah. a little bit more time. Yeah, and a little bit more preparation. <laughs> I started doing some research, research on it, and we were yeah. talking about it, and I was like, you know what? I may need to wait a few years before I do this. Yeah, we're going to need to <laughs> save some money uh, before we go do that. Yeah. I need to send you. I, I saw a really cool Harlequin hunt on YouTube that oh, I'm going to yeah. send to you. Those guys, these guys did it for like 750 bucks because they knew oh, somebody wow. up there. So I'll, yeah. I'll send you. That. But anyway, I didn't know that. Uh, oh, and uh, I'm, this is silly, but. I want to go shoot like 300 pigeons somewhere. So, uh, <laughs> you've, you've been on this kick. Dude, I'm What's about to get on some crows. I've got an are access you? to a pecan farm that is having some crow that are having crows just devastate his, his pecan crop. And he's like begging people to come shoot these crows. So really? I'm about to go smoke some crows. It's but, pretty fun. But yeah, pigeons, man, I don't know. There's just something about how they fly and how they. Yeah. Just uh, when they get shot, it's. I heard cool. they eat good, but yeah, well, they have a they have a gizzard, is what I've heard. So I don't I don't know how. I mean, they're you, a big dove, you, so yeah, they, they should taste good, right? Yeah, you know? so, and all the ones we're all the ones I see are grain fed. Yeah, you know, some high quality grain. Dude, if you get on them, let me know. <laughs> I will. I will. I will do. I'll be all about that, man. So you have another couple of pretty successful YouTube videos, but prior to this this one that's going to release. Um, you have anything to say to the haters? Oh man, you <laughs> gotta hate, man. Freaking haters on YouTube, man. They just have comments. I know they really do. There's there's people that like that's their sole purpose in life. I feel like there's moments in my life I've wanted to create a fake page mm-hmm. to troll some folks. Yeah, but I'm too nice of a person to do that. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm not too nice of a person for my spirit and wants to do that. But uh, but man, you know what? <clears throat> Haters are gonna hate, yeah. And I just gotta laugh at it because yeah. if honestly, I don't, I don't have the time with three boys running around and work and trying to fit in hunts on the weekend. Yeah, I mm-hmm. don't have time to worry about it. But yeah. yeah, if you have any comments about our upcoming video, send them to Tyler Jones at <laughs> Tyler Jones at TheElement.com. <laughs> so, any final thoughts? Anything I didn't hit on that you wanted to say? Or yeah, I kind of want to talk about how much longer till we see this. Uh, what did we have? What did we shoot a five man limited gadwall that morning? I think that's yeah, right. Five yep. man limited gadwall. Um, like I said, I hope it's February. Yeah. Um, we've got 
uh, Frankenstein in the dock. Um, we've got uh, Casey's meat buck, dare I say it. Nice. Speaking of hate. <laughs> um, and uh, then we've got a small game hunt as well, uh, which is pretty much done. Um, and then that's that's in there too, the nice. duck hunt. So it's got, I mean, February's going to be a good month. I, I think. think so, man. So. I'm looking forward to it. And, and listen, guys, y'all have all seen the mallard hunts. All greenheads only. We wanted to show y'all something a little different with the gray duck. That's right. You yeah. don't see many gray duck. Yeah, hunts. we we just yeah. wanted to make sure that it was different. You know, yeah. and we seek we were seeking gray ducks. Exactly. We weren't. This wasn't like we just took what we could get. We had to actually seek them out. I think. Yeah, we. It's been a couple of years, so we we had last year we had some decent footage. I think it would have put an okay little video together, but uh, this one's more in your face. More yeah. ducks flying. It was solid shooting. It was Thank insane. the yeah. good Lord, we were shot good that morning. Yeah, uh, and I mean, they were they were some good. I mean, like you said, there were some tough shots, but there was a lot of just in your face. It like, was. There were good groups working, and that's what I like about a gadwall. They'll commit. They'll cup their wings. They'll quack. Um, you know, they'll decoy up. You can work them. Um, I mean, the only downside is that they don't have green heads on them. Yeah, you know what? People, uh, you know, I say it, people are like, oh, I only hunt green heads or I only hunt mallards only. Man, you hadn't hunted East Texas long enough. <laughs> that's right. If that's all you hunt, <laughs> that's uh, right. there, you know, you can get lucky every now and then. But, man, I promise I have a ton of access to land and um, not trying to brag there. But, man, the holes that hold mallards are, it's a, like – five percent of the holes mm-hmm. and they it's just when they get here it's yeah, it's weird right. and they they got here the last weekend on my holes uh mm. that I, I have permission to and one buddy who holds mallards every year literally didn't see a mallard on his hole this year mm. uh and it's just a wild year but yeah, yeah. I, I i don't discriminate against ducks uh <laughs> i enjoy it for the the wing shooting and the the table fair and uh, so with that being said, uh, got a new little recipe I have to cook up for you. Oh, yeah? oh and I got some uh, duck meat for you too. Oh yeah, I yeah, forgot. Yeah, about yeah. Got some duck meat for you. Dude, definitely. Well, thanks for doing this, man. I know this is like like a lot of people that come on this podcast have something to sell. I feel like I'm like... warming up, man. Uh, we could keep going for another hour. <laughs> I don't know if I have any more questions, <laughs> but if you want to keep going, I'm all about it. Dude. I'm good. I'm good. Your um, listeners are already bored. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for for uh, for for doing this with me. Like I said, I know it's a uh, time out of your busy schedule and. You probably got some kiddos coming over here pretty soon, so we'll go ahead and uh, wrap this thing up. So, anyway. No, man, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, dude. All right, so that was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I hope, you know, it's a little bit different. It's a waterfowl wrap-up. It's uh, a lot of waterfowl and ducks especially. Um, but Slade is, uh, like I said, a good friend of mine. He's, uh, I feel like he's just uh, got a lot of insight into the world. He's um, very level-headed. Uh, even though he does like to get pretty hype in the duck blind. So uh, anyway, Slade's just a good hang all the time, man. He's always got energy and, uh, like I said, good insight. So, um, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed that. We're in this weird period kind of between big game hunting seasons and, you know, shed season. It's, you know, as a whitetail fanatic, I guess you could call me, um, you know, I'm definitely excited to go hunt some sheds, but I don't know why I've just been so jacked up about about uh, fishing season this year. I guess maybe it's just been the mild winter and the tough deer season. But, uh, you know, speaking of the tough deer season, I did get it done in December on a buck finally. And we talked about it earlier, but Frankenstein or Frank, who was aptly named for his weird, uh, weird set of antlers back in 2015 by my buddy. 
And so uh, this deer has had that name since 2015 when he was just already a weird old buck. And uh, I got to encounter him this year. Like I said earlier, if you've listened this far, so make sure you go to YouTube, check that out. And if you if you uh, love what we're doing, man, share it on, on social media. That's a huge help to us. I appreciate that, all of you that do that uh, tremendously. And we see that um, when you do it. Send us a message and uh, or you know leave a comment on the video about what you liked about it. That's super helpful as well, and it makes us feel good, man. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in to everything. I hope you guys have a great week. God bless y'all, and remember, this is your element. Live in it. Hey, guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms I like them because it gives you hand-free calling meaning when you're working a bird up close you can have your gun on your knee finger on the trigger ready to roll and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.